It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In baseball, when you're a good team, it is all about the series win, especially in games against divisional opponents. And that's what the Orioles did on Thursday. Got a series win over the Blue Jays. And we'll recap it all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, June 16th, 2023. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap an Orioles 4-2 victory over the Blue Jays that clinched two out of three in a three-game set against Toronto. I'll get you the five things you need to know from that one, including another great start from Tyler Wells, Adley Rutschman going deep, and Yenye Cano and Felix Bautista finally getting back on the mound after a long rest. Then we'll talk about some updates on some pitchers who have been in the bigs but are currently in the minor leagues. The latest on Grayson Rodriguez, Dylan Tate, and Michael Givens. Then we finish up the show with a preview of the upcoming weekend series at Wrigley between the Orioles and the Cubs. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash lockedonmlb, and with their amazing shorts, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. So let's kick things off with an Orioles victory here. Orioles 4 and Blue Jays 2 is the final score from Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Thursday afternoon. little Thursday matinee on getaway day and a rubber match in this series. And the Orioles win it 4-2 to take 2 out of 3 from the Jays. Orioles starting the season 5-1 and one against Toronto. That is what you love to see. O's now 43-25 and 25 on the season, and with the series win, they are now six games up on the Blue Jays in the standings. The Blue Jays currently are the first team outside of that wild card picture in the American League playoff race. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 4-2 win over the Toronto Blue Jays. And the first thing you need to know is Tyler Wells just continues to be awesome on the mound for the Orioles, and quite frankly, there is no debating it. He is the O's best starting pitcher right now, and honestly, has been the O's best starting pitcher for most of, if not all of, this 2023 season so far. Wells just went out there and did pretty much exactly what he usually does, and that's why the consistency is so great. Tyler Wells, six and two-thirds innings. He allows two runs on five hits. He strikes out eight batters and walks just one. Now, he did give up two homers in the game. Those were the only two runs that he allowed. Two solo home runs, both unfortunately hit by the Blue Jays' number eight hitter, the backup catcher, Danny Jansen, who homered off Wells in the third and fifth inning. Both were absolute bombs well over the big wall in left field. The first one tied the game at one. The second one gave Toronto a 2-1 to lead at the time. But those were the only blemishes. The Blue Jays did square him up a few times and did end up with nine hard-hit balls against Wells in six and two-thirds innings. But he threw only 90 pitches. He lowered his ERA to 3.20 on the season. And he was just really good, and I know some people were clamoring for him to have the chance to finish off the 7th and pitch into the 8th, but the situation was, listen, he had given up a few hard-hit balls. The O's were 
in a game where they were leading 3-2, to two, and he had gotten the first two outs of the seventh inning, and up comes Danny Jansen, who had already homered off of Wells in both of his at-bats, and they were not cheapies, and the Orioles hadn't used Yenye Cano in five days. He was ready to go in the pen. It was kind of the easy call from Brandon Hyde, and Cano did struggle. He let the first two runners on, but he got out of that seventh and kept the lead. I thought it was really the, the perfect time to pull Wells there, and, and, and he was just great in this game, and that's what he has been all year. Tyler Wells, 14 whiffs in this game, six of them coming on the cutter, which kind of surprisingly hasn't done this too much this often. Cutter was his number one pitch. 26 cutters out of 90 pitches was his most used offering, but he was pretty even on the usage in all five pitches. 26 cutters, 23 four-seamers, 15 change-ups, 14 sliders, and 12 curveballs is how Wells parsed it out in this one. He just mixed pitches so, so well. He pitched backwards a lot. He pitched forwards off the fastball. It is so fun to watch Tyler Wells right now because you know he's not going to walk a lot of guys. You understand that he's a very home run prone pitcher and he's near the top of the leaderboards in terms of home runs allowed by major league starting pitchers this year. But because he doesn't give up a lot of hits and he doesn't walk anyone, most of those homers have been solo home runs. And especially in baseball in 2023, solo home runs don't hurt you at all. As long as you keep them to solo shots, you can be a very successful pitcher who has a pretty high home run to fly ball rate. That's exactly what Wells is right now. He just mixes pitches so well, dots the corners, has elite command. He's fun to watch, man. Second thing you need to know in this one is Adley Rutschman ended a little bit of a home run drought with a solo shot in the fifth inning that just cleared the big wall in left off of, at the time, Blue Jays starter, Yusei Kikuchi tying the game at two. Rutschman with his ninth home run of the season in the fifth inning. Got out at 104 off the bat. Hit it from the right side of the plate, 394 feet. And it had been a little bit. Rutschman had not homered in his last 14 games. Hadn't hit a home run since the first inning when he homered against the Texas Rangers back on May 26th. That was the City Connect debut game where then things got a little out of hand for Grayson Rodriguez after that. But... Hadn't homered since, gets back in the power category, and he had a great series against the Blue Jays in three these three games. Adley went 6-for-14 with two doubles and a home run in the three games, was a huge part of the Orioles' offense, and didn't even draw a walk in this series and still was really successful. That's good news for Adley Rutschman. Third thing you need to know from this one is that it's not just Adley, but the top four in the Oriole order really did all the damage in this game, Austin Hayes hit leadoff against the left-hander, Adley hit in second, Santander third, and Gunnar Henderson hit fourth in this game after he has been hitting first, but generally against lefties, he's going to go a little bit further down the lineup. Hayes went two for five in this one, including a solo home run in the bottom of the eighth that was absolutely demolished off of Blue Jays reliever Eric Swanson. For Hayes, it gave the O's really, really big-time insurance. He hit the ball 109.3 miles per hour off the bat, 439 feet to left field. That ball was smashed. That was one of the best home runs I've ever seen Austin Hayes hit to double that lead in the bottom of the eighth inning. Also had a single earlier in the game as well. Mentioned Rutschman with the home run. He went three for five with that home run and an RBI. Anthony Santander with a two for three, including the big RBI single in the bottom of the sixth inning that gave the Orioles a three to two lead. Also drew a walk in this game. And Gunnar Henderson only had one hit, a one for four, but his one hit was a big one, kind of a sawed off RBI single in the bottom of the first that gave the Orioles a one nothing advantage. And for the O's, that was 
eight of their 11 hits right there came from the top four in the order, and they really got the job done. But I did want to shout out one guy at the bottom of the order because the fourth thing you need to know from this Orioles 4-2 win over the Blue Jays is that Jorge Mateo had a two-hit game. Mateo got the start at shortstop in this one with Joey Ortiz starting at second against the left-hander. Mateo hit seventh because he has some pretty good career numbers against Yusei Kikuchi. And although he didn't hit any ball hard of the three balls he put in play, he also struck out once, Mateo went two for four and he stole two bases and played a good shortstop and was still able to impact the game. He hasn't been able to impact the game a lot over the last month and a half because he just hasn't been getting on base. But for Mateo, it was his second multi-hit game in the month of June. We're about halfway through now. Mateo did not have a multi-hit game all of May. Remember, he slashed 125, 165, 151 in 92 plate appearances in May. Basically one of the worst months any regular player has had ever. Now in June, he hasn't been amazing but the average is up to 267. Now, he's not hitting for any power, basically. 290 on base, 300 slugging. But 267 and a 290 on base means at least one out of every three times you're getting Mateo to first base. And he doesn't need the power as much because he can steal second. And like he did on Wednesday or on Thursday, excuse me, he can also steal third in the same at-bat. So just getting him to first is huge. He was getting to first 16% of the time in May. Just the fact that he's doing it 29% of the time in June is a huge boost for the Orioles' order, even if he's kind of fallen off from playing every single day for the O's. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from Thursday's day game win for Baltimore is Yenye Cano and Felix Bautista finally pitched once again. Both these guys each had five days off in between appearances. They both pitched last Friday night in the Orioles' opening series win against the Kansas City Royals, pitched in that 3-2 victory. They hadn't pitched since then. Had a big enough lead Saturday and Sunday against the Royals to not pitch. Monday was the off day. Tuesday was a blowout win they didn't pitch. Wednesday was a loss where Cano was warming late in the game but never got in. And finally, they come in to pitch. Now, Cano entered with nobody on, two outs in the seventh with a 3-2 lead. And he did allow a single and a walk before getting a fly out to end the inning and then he did allow two more hits in the eighth inning recorded two outs with a strikeout but left with two on and two out Felix Bautista came in for the four out save and well he did exactly what Felix Bautista does got a strikeout to escape the jam keep the one run lead and then went one two three with another strikeout in the ninth Felix throwing only 18 pitches to get four outs and to complete his 18th save of the season. Now, Cano once again just kind of went away from the changeup. 14 sinkers, 10 sliders, which was the most he's thrown all year. Interesting to see him go more slider than changeup. Just one changeup on the day for Yenye Cano. He did get three whiffs on the slider, so that was good to see. Felix Bautista, 14 fastballs, four splitters. Only got two swings and misses on 10 swings, but it didn't matter. He got the save, and the Orioles win the series with a 4 2 victory over the Blue Jays on Thursday. So things were pretty good for the O's at the Major League level, finishing off a 5-1 and one homestand before they hit the road, but getting some positive news at the minor league level from some pitchers as well. Three pitchers who have all pitched for the Orioles in the big leagues over the last two years and are maybe getting closer and closer to returning to the big league roster. That's Grayson Rodriguez, Dylan Tate, and Michael Gibbons. And I'll have updates on all three of them Coming up after this. 
But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs are the most comfortable shorts that you will ever own. Trust me, I have two pairs of the Bird Dogs. They are amazing. Bird Dog stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh, look better, and feel better. They've got this anti-stink and sweat-wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. And we're into mid-June here in Baltimore. You need to stay cool and dry. The lining inside the shorts helps as well. It's really the perfect, the perfect pair of shorts. Again, I wear my two pairs as much as I can, wash them, get them right back on, because they are absolutely my favorite shorts. So go to birddogs.com slash MLB, and when you order a great pair of shorts or pants from Bird Dogs, you will get, with that link, birddogs.com slash MLB, a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. Again, that is birddogs.com slash MLB for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you that. So the Orioles win it 4-2 over the Toronto Blue Jays on Thursday, completing a series win in the three-game set. And as I mentioned, 5-1 and one on the six-game homestand against Kansas City and Toronto. That is how you take care of business at home. But below the big league level, got some pitching updates over the past few days. And let's start with the AAA level, where there were two really encouraging performances in Norfolk on Thursday afternoon when the O's got a, or the Tides, I should say, got a 3-2 win over the Red Sox AAA affiliate. The first piece of good news, Grayson Rodriguez made his third start back down in AAA since the Orioles sent him down back on May 27th. This one was as good as any. Six innings pitch for Rodriguez. He allows just two runs on two hits, strikes out 11 batters, and walked just two. The two runs he gave up came off a Steven Scott two-run homer in the top of the sixth inning. Rodriguez had a no-hitter through five, gave up two hits in the sixth, including that homer, but only allowed one hard-hit ball, one ball with an exit velocity of 95 miles per hour or higher all day. That was the two-run homer he allowed in the sixth. Only hard-hit ball, 96 pitches to get through six innings. He had 19 whiffs, a 40% whiff rate. Now, he was heavy on the fastball again. 52 of his 90 pitches were fastballs. Then he went with 20 change-ups, 11 sliders, 11 curveballs, and two cutters. But I thought the curveball looked really, really good on the day through some of his best curveballs of the year. Got 10 fastball whiffs, got five changeup whiffs, which was working very well against the lefties. And he kind of went away from the cutter, which was a problem pitch for him in the big leagues. Only through two out of his 96 pitches were cutters. So I like what I saw once again from Grayson. Again, the question still remains, when does he come back up? Cole Irvin, as we know, is going to start here tonight, or today, I should say, against the Cubs. So Cole Irvin, for now, has that fifth rotation spot. But to me, in his three starts, Grayson has shown that, all right, he's ready to hopefully come back up and, and be better than he was his first stint in the big leagues. But this was all good stuff. His fastball, 58% of the fastballs were in the zone. 51% in-zone percentage total for all 96 of his pitches. Not bad from Rodriguez. Hopefully these steps keep moving forward. It feels like probably he'll make at least one more AAA start before the Orioles make a decision. But uh, we will see, and it's nice to see him pitching well again in AAA. Just want to see him doing consistently in the big leagues when he absolutely does get back here in 2023. But the other guy who pitched and pitched well that's notable in AAA on Thursday is Dylan Tate, who returned for his second rehab stint of the season. Now, if you remember, 
When Tate showed up, when pitchers and catchers reported to spring training in February, it turned out, well, he had a forearm issue that he was dealing with since November. He was going to be shut down. He didn't pitch in spring training. Orioles finally got him back in May doing some rehab outings in high A and double A and triple A. Well, he had about a 10 or 11 ERA in those nine rehab outings, and he was just terrible. And the Orioles evaluated him and said, well, he's got something extra going on, called it a stress fracture. They basically shut him down again for a couple more weeks. But now apparently he's feeling better, and he appeared in a rehab game for the first time again on Thursday afternoon. Tate, who relieved Grayson Rodriguez in this game, Goes an inning and a third scoreless, no runs, no hits, two strikeouts. Now, he did walk two batters, including one of them that was a four-pitch walk, but didn't allow a hard-hit ball and threw 25 pitches to get those four outs. It was 13 sinkers. The velocity was still down. It was 91-93. It was eight change-ups that were kind of the usual 81-84, and then four sliders, 79-80. to He did get five whiffs total, including four whiffs on his change-up on five swings. And I got to tell you, I watched almost every of the 25 pitches that Tate threw on Thursday in Norfolk. Again, it wasn't perfect, right? He walked two batters, and the velocity is still not where you want it to be. You know, he's usually 94 to 96. He was 91-93 on Thursday. But what I will say is I watched a good chunk of the rehab outings in Norfolk the last time around before they shut him down again. This looked way, way, way better. That looked a lot, and I mean a lot closer to the Dylan Tate of the last couple of years than any of those first chunk of rehab outings looked. So I know the velo still wasn't there, and I know he still walked a couple of guys, but I'm still worried that the Orioles won't have a lot of Dylan Tate this year, and I still have a little bit of worry that he's going to need some sort of surgery here. But I was really worried after that first stint of rehab. Watching the outing Thursday, I do feel a lot better. I'm not saying he's going to come back and be great for the O's bullpen, but I will say he looks a whole lot closer to the Dylan Tate we know and love. And then the other veteran reliever who got shut down again but is trying to come back is Michael Givens, who made a rehab outing in AA Bowie on Wednesday. Kind of the same story with Tate. Now, Givens did try to pitch in spring training, had a knee injury, went on the IL, came back, actually pitched three games in the big leagues for the Orioles, looked terrible, and then went back on the injury list, this time with shoulder inflammation. Well, he returned on Wednesday, wasn't as good. Inning and a third for Bowie, one run, two hits, one walk, and no strikeouts. Givens' velocity was kind of fluctuating a lot when he was in the big leagues and in the last rehab outings. Didn't watch, didn't get a chance to watch this rehab outing for Givens on Wednesday in Bowie. I'm not as, as sure about him. I'm not expecting a lot from either Givens or Tate in the Orioles' bullpen this year, but I just think these injuries are looking like they're too much for Michael Givens. I mean, hopefully not. Hopefully he can contribute to the O's bullpen. That's what they signed him to, to come back and do, but but we will see on Givens. But it is a good sign that both of them are back on rehab assignments once again and trying to probably by you know, the end of June, beginning of July, return to the Orioles bullpen. But it is an Orioles bullpen that's had a little bit of troubles. However, they still do have Cano and Bautista at the back end and that makes you feel very, very good. But this Orioles bullpen and the Orioles team is traveling back to Chicago this weekend. They've been there once before this year when they took two out of three from the Chicago White Sox back in April. Now they go back to take on the Cubs. And coming up next, I'll preview this three-game weekend series to finish off the pod and get you into the weekend. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. 
Make your way to FanDuel because right now, new customers can get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's right, $2,500 for a no sweat first bet. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Now, I love the FanDuel app because it's so easy to use. You can set parameters on how much you're gambling. And they got all the sports you would need, including Major League Baseball. You know, this is kind of time for MLB to take over. The NBA season has just ended with the Nuggets winning it all. The NHL season has just ended with the Golden Knights winning it all. Now it is truly baseball's time. You can get all the lines and all the odds at FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet all the action than America's number one sports book. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. So the Orioles took the series over the Blue Jays with a 4-2 win on Thursday. Now 43-25 and on the season. They've won five of their last six on the homestand, six out of seven overall. And they take their show on the road once again this weekend. Three games against the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field. Friday at 2.20, Saturday at 2.20, and Sunday at 1.05. And you can catch every single pitch of the Orioles' hometown radio broadcast of this weekend's series against the Cubs with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Orioles. But Orioles and Cubs this weekend. Cubs team that is struggling a little bit. Cubs 30 and 37 as I record this here on Thursday night. They are currently playing the final game of their series against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So they're either going to be 31 and 37 or 30 and 38. Now, they've played a little bit better recently. The Cubs had won four out of five coming into the game that's happening as I record here against the Pirates. But in general... It's a very, very average baseball team. Their record should probably be a little better than it is. They're just very average. They have a 99-team WRC+. plus. That's 18th in the majors. Now, their 393 slugging percentage is 22nd, and their 24.3% strikeout rate as hitters is 25th. So they strike out too much. They don't hit for a lot of power. But the offense in general has been pretty much league average, just below league average. Pitching-wise, average as well. Their 4.20 ERA is smack dab in the middle. It's 15th in Major League Baseball, but had a little issues in the bullpen. 4.60 bullpen ERA. One thing that's hurting them, they don't really have a true closer. They're kind of going closer by committee, and a lot of guys are struggling. Adbert Alzale has probably been their best reliever this year. Julian Merriweather, the former Blue Jay, has been good as well, but a lot of guys have really struggled in the pen. In terms of hitters to watch this weekend, Christopher Morrell, since he's been called up, has been amazing for the Cubs. 11 home runs in basically a month and a half at a 156 WRC+. Plus. That leads the team. Also, Seiya Suzuki's been really good, a 127 WRC+. Plus as well. Dansby Swanson's been solid since they signed him to the big contract. Not amazing. Cody Bellinger was also good for them, uh, but he is currently on the injured list. And then our old friend Trey Mancini, who signed with the Cubs this weekend, he will reunite with the Orioles, but been a tough year for him. Mancini hitting 237, which is the 303 on base and a 345 slugging, four homers, and a 78 WRC plus on the year, meaning he's been 22% worse than a league average hitter. Been a tough go of things for Mancini in Chicago so far. Really 
has only been playing mostly against lefties, so you'll probably see him in the lineup today against Cole Irvin, but maybe not even the rest of the weekend unless he's a pinch hitter for the Cubs. But the pitching matchups this weekend starts with the Friday game. And again, Wrigley Field, it's tradition. They play those Friday afternoon games. So it's another day game here on a Friday for the Orioles. Back-to-back day games here. They'll actually end up playing four consecutive day games here. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Really interesting for the O's. But the O's will send Cole Irvin to the hill. Member came back to the rotation last weekend and pitched pretty well against the Royals. Looked a lot better than he did early in the season. He'll duel off against the veteran right-hander Kyle Hendricks, who missed most of this year with injury, an injury that kept him out last year. But he's returned to the mound and been great. In his four starts since returning off the IL, he's got a 3.09 ERA. And in his last start against the Giants back on June 10th, He was amazing. Eight innings, scoreless, one hit, three Ks, and one walk. It's slow, slow, and slower for Hendricks. Slow fastball, big, slow changeup. Orioles got to be patient and try to get his pitch count up and get him out of the game early into a struggling bullpen. And then speaking of starters who have been good, the Saturday game, also a 2-20 start. The left-hander Justin Steele is going to be activated off the injured list on Saturday to start for the Cubs. Now, Steele spent the minimum 15 days on the injured list with what Chicago called a mild forearm strain. Apparently, he threw some bullpens. He felt good, didn't need to go on rehab. This is not official as I record on Thursday night, but it seems very, very likely Steele will be activated and will start against the O's, a lefty on the hill Saturday. He's been great this year, a 2.65 ERA on the season. Even had three scoreless innings against the Rays in the start that he left with the forearm issue on May 31st. But I will say, in two of the three starts before the one that he left with injury, Steele had given up five earned runs in two of those three starts. He was kind of coming off his worst stretch of the year when he got injured. So it's kind of a mystery what he'll look like when he returns to the mound on Saturday. And then in the Sunday series finale, a 1.05 p.m. Eastern time game on Sunday to finish things out. Again, just kind of early, early, and earlier uh, coming up this weekend for the Orioles against the Cubbies. But a 1.05 start on Sunday. That game will be on Peacock as well. So if you're looking to watch that one, will not be on Masson. That will be the Sunday Peacock game between the Orioles and the Cubs to finish off this series. And it'll be Kyle Gibson who goes Saturday, I forgot to mention. And Dean Kramer will go Sunday, trying to build off the nice start he had Tuesday night against the Blue Jays. And Kramer will go up against Jamison Tyone, a guy who was connected to the Orioles a little bit this offseason as a free agent pitcher, got a three-year deal from the Cubs. He's been horrendous. He has been absolutely horrendous. Jamison Tyone has a 6.70 ERA on the year for the Cubs. Now, his last start was his best one of the year. Against the Pirates on June 13th, six innings and three earned runs. Four Ks, two walks. That's not amazing, but that's by far his best start. Not only was that Tyone's first quality start in a Cubs uniform, it was the first time he had pitched into the sixth inning in a Cubs uniform. It has not been great for Jamison Tyone this year. We'll see if the O's can get to him in Sunday's game. And then I'll be back with you on Monday, recapping the entire weekend series between the Orioles and the Cubs. And before I go, the other thing I'll be doing Monday is announcing the winner of the Cedric Mullins 30-30 bobblehead that I'll be giving away on Monday's episode. So if you did enter to win the bobblehead, make sure to listen or watch the entirety of Monday's episode to see if you won. I will also respond 
to any YouTube comment of the winner. So make sure to keep an eye on your YouTube comment. But you still have time to enter. Entrances will close tonight at midnight for the Cedric Mullins bobblehead. But here's what you got to do to win. This is in celebration of me passing 3,000 subscribers here on the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. Thank you all so much to the everydayers out there, people who make it your first listen, everybody who's checked in. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to Locked On Orioles on YouTube. But specifically, you got to do two things to enter to win the bobblehead. Number one, subscribe to the Locked On Orioles podcast on YouTube. And number two, in the YouTube comments on any episode this week, reply with an Oriole from the Rebuild who played for the Orioles from 2018 to 2021 and is no longer on the team. Some people have struggled with that prompt. Is no longer on the team, but has a special place in your heart. Comment who it is and why. For me, it was guys like Stevie Wilkerson, Hanser Alberto, guys like that who just did some cool things that were fun to watch on really, really bad Orioles team. But comment your favorites from the rebuild. Subscribe to the pod on YouTube, and you could win the Cedric Mullins 30-30 bobblehead again, announced on Monday's episode. Monday's episode, because of the holidays this weekend, may posting time may be a little different. Now, the Orioles are off Monday. The pod may not be out Monday morning. It could be out a little later in the day Monday, so just be ready for that. But again, I'll be announcing the winner of the bobblehead and recapping the weekend series between the Orioles and the Cubs. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb. And this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.